And we've been going through this wonderful book of Acts. And it's so powerful. It's been described as the Holy Bible's action movie. Because it's so packed full of the, of, of the adventures of the early church. And we were looking about Paul and about Stephen. And we're moving into, into some, of the, some of the middle chapters here. And we're going to be talking about some of the Romans who became Christians. Remember, the Romans were occupiers of ancient Israel. The people of Israel were waiting to fight. They were looking for a Messiah to fight and to liberate them. To have their own independence day from this terrible heathen army that worshipped to heathen gods and whose, whose emperor was regarded as a living god. In fact, there were even Jewish insurgency groups, zealots, that would fight the Romans as best they could. But really, it was like a mouse fighting a lion. See, when Jesus came, he didn't come to destroy the Romans. He came to save their souls as well as the souls of his own and any who would listen. That's the nature of Christ's kingdom. All inclusive and it's very, very different. Yes, Milt. The thing that is, is Christ came to save the Jews through the world. Mm-hmm. He didn't just come for the Jewish people. That's it. The Jewish people wanted, like you said, Neil, they didn't want other people. They wanted no. just Neil. Like they wanted supremacy. They, they, they wanted to rule it. the world and back then. They couldn't do it. Well, Christianity was the fulfillment of Judaism. Right. And it's all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. All the promises that God made to Israel were fulfilled in Jesus as the Messiah. And you're right, you know, the Messiah they were looking for was a paramilitary leader that was going to go out and start killing them. They were looking for Rambo. And what they got was something far greater. The real king. And they didn't like that. It didn't, it didn't suit the Pharisees because they wanted to rule over people and have the supremacy. They wanted a Messiah they could control. Jesus wouldn't be controlled, would he? Nor should he be. Absolutely. That's right. You went to whips and flipping tail. Don't be giving me ideas now. <laughs> this is America. You can't do that kind of thing. <laughs> Never mind. Don't get political. <laughs> <laughs> well, chapter 10. If you start with chapter 10, verses 1 to 8, and we're going to read about this Cornelius and his vision. That's chapter 10 of the book of Acts, starting at verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He judges, he, he, long, he lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. 
And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Jaffa. So what we know about Cornelius is that he was a Roman, and in fact he was a Roman officer. He was a centurion, stationed in Caesarea, which was the headquarters, incidentally, of the occupational government of the Holy Land. Because, please remember, Israel was a country that was under occupation. If you think of France being under the occupation of Nazi Germany, that's what we're talking about. The last thing they wanted to do was to be ruled by, by the Romans. But it was a strange thing. Now, you remember when we were in Vietnam, there was all this talk about winning over their hearts and minds. It was something we never did. And yet, when the Romans were in the Holy Land, what happened? Many Romans' hearts and minds were won over to them. They went, as what we would say, they went native, in a way, because they seen something different with the God of Israel. They seen a morality, yes, Mill. That was it. That was yeah. He wasn't a loving, giving. Well, he might have been personal, but when it came to military, he did what he was told. Mm -hmm. That's what you know, with Christ. The Romans were the ones that, you know, beat him and, and did all the actual duties because they'd say, go do. And they did. And they no, they didn't question. And you know why they didn't question? Because if you questioned, you got crucified. Yeah, you got crucified. So, I mean, Roman military discipline was really, really strong. It's amazing how much someone will just do it if they're told, well, if you don't go and do what I told you to do, you're dead. And they would to make an example out of them. That's what he was. He was yeah. He, he, was, he was centurion. He was, he was over a legion. And this was a force of over 6,000 men. And these were highly trained and, and brutalized soldiers. They were trained to be brutal, to have no compassion. And yet a great many of them were so, so attracted to the compassion they seen in Christianity. They worshipped gods of war. The Romans believed they were descendants of Mars, the god of war, and that they had a duty to subdue the world, their manifest destiny. Conquer the world and make everybody subject to what they called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. The peace of Rome brought oppression. Pax Christus, the peace of Christ, brought liberation. So when you know something about the Roman world, what was going on, you can see what's going on with Christianity, how different it is and how attractive it is, even to the Romans. Christianity was a magnet. Christianity was a magnet. It still is. Yeah. We as a yeah. church should be a magnet. People look at us and say, we want to be part of that. We don't, you know, we don't want to be the one that, oh, well, you know, nah, not that group. You know, we want to be the group that they want to be part of. Yeah, not the yeah. Way they want to talk about. Yeah, well, we want them talking about us, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah, not in a bad way. That would kill a church, won't it? Yeah, church of love. Yeah. The Lord's Church needs to be a place to be loved, not a place 
of terror or coldness. And there's the difference between the Roman world, the Roman kingdom, and Christ's kingdom. The Roman kingdom is about control, discipline, do as I say, oftentimes not as I do. But it was very different. And even the Romans seen this. Even the Romans didn't want to have anything. In every legion, you know, there were, there were ten cohorts. And a cohort was about 600 men. And it comes near to be the equivalent of a battalion in, in our army. So the cohort was divided into centuries, and over each century there was a centurion. A century was a, usually around 60 to 100 men. Well, the century is therefore roughly the equivalent of a company. So we're getting an idea of his power. The parallel to the centurion in our military would be a company sergeant major. So he was, he was fairly high up, and you know, when they yell, you do it. That, that's it, you do it. Well, these centurions were the very backbone of the Roman army. It was built on it. An ancient historian describes the qualifications of a centurion like this. And we can learn a lot from that. Centurions are desired not to be, not to over, not to be overbold and reckless as much as good leaders of steady and prudent mind, not prone to take the offensive to start fighting wantonly, but able, when overwhelmed and hard-pressed, to stand fast and die at their posts. Cornelius, therefore, is a man who first and foremost knew what courage and loyalty were. That this was a courageous man, an honourable man, but he was also a God-fearer. He'd come from a pagan background. Now, what do you know about the Roman, Greek and Roman religion? Caesar was, God. Well, Caesar was one of their gods, yeah. But they have all these different gods and goddesses. They, they really borrowed their religion from the Greeks. And their gods didn't have morality as we would know about morality. Their gods were incestuous. The, the king of their gods, Zeus, was a rapist. And these were the people they were worshipping. These were the people they were emulating. And they didn't really have a morality in the way we would understand it. It was superstition, certainly superstitious. So what Cornelius and many other of the Romans and indeed Greeks before that seen when they seen Judaism and started studying the Bible was that the God of Israel was different. This is a God that cares. This is a God with something their own gods didn't have, <laughs> moral standards. The New Testament times it had almost become a technical term for Gentiles as a God-fearer who, weary of the gods and the immoralities and the frustration of their ancient fates and all the cults and things they were in, had attached themselves to the Jewish tradition. Now, they did not accept circumcision and they didn't accept the law. Like us, it would be very, very hard to give up bacon. Just imagine. They just couldn't do it. But they attended the synagogue and they believed in one God and with the pure ethic of Jewish religion. Now Cornelius then was a man who was seeking after God. And as he sought God, God found him. God came and found him. Cornelius was truly blessed to be where he was at the time. He was also a man that was given to charity. He was a very generous man. He was characteristically kind. Now just because he was serving in the military and was a tough and loyal military officer didn't mean that he was some twisted, war-loving lunatic. He was a patriot. He believed in what they were doing. 
And indeed the Romans did bring a lot of peace to the world, whether you liked it or not. Well, we know from these scriptures that his search for God had made him come to love the souls of men, to treat them kindly. And he who loves his fellow man is not far from the kingdom. That's exactly... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that a problem that Paul had to deal with with the Corinthian church? He had to deal with immorality within the church. Where there were people that were coming from Gentile backgrounds and people coming from Jewish backgrounds that had been around Gentiles their whole lives. And what we would see today as completely immoral, the Romans seen as absolutely okay. Right, Be- they were yeah. using the wrong word, love. Yeah, yeah. Love. Yeah. It's not, the other it's not selfish love. Yeah, or immorality either. Because remember, when you went round to some of these pagan temples, what they did as acts of worship, we would consider acts of perversion and put people in prison for. I'm talking pedophilia here. It's disgusting what they were doing. I'm not saying that's what the early Christians were doing, but compared to that, other things like committing adultery would just seem like nothing to them. And you know, there were some terrible incidents there, and Paul had to to say, come on, you need to, you need to get with the program here. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you need to implement what Christ has said. You need to love one another and love other people. There's no room for cruelty or hatred or bigotry. There's no room for it in the heart of a Christian. If you've got it, you've got a problem. And I mean, could you have imagined how the early Christian church would have been? Well, we do know that the the overwhelming majority of Christians at the very beginning were Jews. And even though I'm not saying they were hating the Gentiles, but they had been raised not to associate with Gentiles. So you had a situation where there were Jewish Christians in one place and Gentile Christians in another. It would be like if we were to, say, if we were to have a service here and we were to say, okay, well, all the men have to pray here and all the women have to go and have a separate service in another part of the building. We would never tolerate that because that would be segregating, that would be dividing the assembly. Yeah, which wouldn't be right. Yeah, Milton? See, that's where I came from. Whenever I was young, we went to the doctor. We had a color room. We had my room. They had their water faucet. We had our water faucet. They had their school. We had our school. So they, that's where I, I grew up. You know, with that, and then you were raised to think that way, but you won't, you wouldn't learn that. That wasn't that. What? That's not Christian. It was just it yeah. Was just the way it was. Yeah. Just the way it was. As we did, as a nation, we get away from it. We get, you know, we open our eyes and see what the situation going on. Correct. Yeah. But it's a procedure. I mean, you, yeah. you can't start perfect. Yeah, what Milt was saying is that when he was growing up, we had segregation in this country. We had segregation between black people and white people. There were, you'd go to a doctor's office and there'd be a different faucet for someone who was black or someone who was white. But, of course, when you get to heaven, there's a black part of heaven and a white part of heaven with the black Jesus and a white, isn't there? Isn't there? No, I don't think so. Not at all. I once had a preacher get asked, do you have a... A, a mixed congregation up there and he said yeah we've all kinds we've both men and women that's the way it should be 
See, yeah, and children too. Yeah. Excellent. I'll never forget um, when I was a child. Um, my father was my father was Air Force, as you know. Mm-hmm. And when I was a child, we lived on the Air Force base there at Barksdale, and um, I had this little friend on base that I played with, and she was a little black girl. And I mean, I didn't see her as anything other than just my friend. And unfortunately, my grandparents were of the generation back when segregation was a thing. Mm. And unfortunately, my grandparents, as much as I love them, were racists. And um, my mother and grandmother was sitting in the kitchen, at the kitchen table visiting, and they were watching me from the window. I was outside playing in my little kiddie pool. And my little friend came up and got in the pool with me. And my grandmother, I, I, I remember my mom telling this story as if it were just yesterday. My grandmother goes, who does that little girl think she is getting in the, getting in the pool with my granddaughter? Mm-hmm. And my mom goes, that's her friend. They play together all the time. I mean, what do you think's gonna happen? You know? <laughs> and that's so sad. That's so sad to have that kind of hate in your heart. And I mean, my grandmother and grandfather were the type of people that would go to church every time the doors were open. Mm-hmm. And they would tell people, quote scripture, and tell people, you know, how to be a good Christian and all that stuff. But then they had that hate in their heart. That's not Christian. No. And that, that, Jesus, I mean, we're all the same. We yeah. all have the same red blood pumping through our veins. Yeah. We're all made up of organs and tissue. You know, we're all the same in God's eyes. That's right, we are. And um, th- there is no room for that kind of... That kind of hatred needs to be unlearned if you're ever going to go to heaven. And that's exactly what was happening. I mean, in, in ancient... In the first century, you had Jewish Christians that wanted Gentiles to become Jews before they become Christians. Well, that wasn't the way God was going to have it. There's no segregation in the kingdom of heaven. And hatred has to be... Un- I mean, if hatred can be learned, it can be unlearned. And is there any room... Yeah. Sorry, baby. Yeah, it's okay. I always um, heard it say that if you can't get along with each other on, on earth, how are you going to get along in, in heaven? But then, you know, if you don't get along with each other on earth, you might not make You're it. You're not going to have to worry about that. No, no. <laughs> Remember, Christ's kingdom is made up of how many? All nations. Yes, Mac. Uh, I think most of us in here have experienced all of that, what she's talking about. And, uh, you know, that's history of the past. It's still happening. It's still happening today, Mac. Not, not in the Lord's church. Uh, Sadly, it is. I agree we need to be teaching love, but we're not beyond that. But we don't only need to be teaching it, we need to be practicing Practice that you couldn't have said a truer word. Yes, ma'am. You never will be beyond it as long as man is being there. It's always going to be there. But the point I think that we make it is that it's being secured. It ain't like it's just a You will always have dinosaurs. Dinosaurs have died out when it comes to racism. 
terms of God out, but there's few, there's still a few, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, an alligator is considered a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> You'll always have racism the way it used to be. That's a fact. Well, so I... You're still going to have dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Still gonna, it's always going to be there. But I think everybody in this room can admit that in this nation, it ain't what it used to be. We've come a long way. Do we start waiting to go? Well, that's what I mean. We still have a ways to go. Well, the whole world does, though. I mean, please don't think it's just America. The whole world does. And I mean, in countries like Zimbabwe, it's the opposite. It's the opposite, where the whites are the ones that are treated, as, treated badly. It happens in other countries, too. But it shouldn't happen in the Lord's church. It shouldn't be a whisper of it. But I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Yes. In uh, 1962, we were stationed in Okinawa. We had one congregation there, and it was not segregated. Good. And uh, I've got a daughter that is sitting right here who had, when she was at that time about three years old, Mm -hmm. she had a friend that lived in the neighborhood that we lived in, and she was just black as midnight. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they played together. Good. And uh, we all got along together. But the whole world is not like that. We came back to the States, uh, to New York. We had a congregation there that had black and had white. And we, there was no problems. There shouldn't be. Breaks down all mm-hmm. And uh, in the church, there is no such thing. And... Uh, even in this area here, in different congregations, you've got blacks going to worship with whites, and there's there's no problem. So it's a thing of the past, and uh, we need to forget the past and move on to perfection. Understand? You may have an individual, or occasionally you have an individual in a congregation somewhere, then they have issues with that problem. They're a dinosaur, yeah, but dinosaurs cause problems. I said, yes, Nita. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Because when Jesus came, it was to create a kingdom that was a rainbow nation. All peoples, everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Jesus was, yeah, just so people can't hear. Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman. He was talking to Romans, Canaanites. He was bringing about changes to be implemented in the kingdom immediately. You know, and, and that, that's what had to be thought, and that's what Peter is going to learn pretty soon, that he needs to do that kind of thing. Um, then, as Tim says, there, there are still dinosaurs, and they do still cause problems. I've heard it. I've, I've, yes. I've personally experienced it in the church. And so has yes, my wife, who's a quarter Japanese. 
she's she's experienced it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> That's true. But the the point of the lesson is is that yeah. Yeah. And they need to repent of that sin. The problem is with a lot of people, and specifically with racism, and I'm talking in the context of what's going on here, they thought they were supposed to be like that. They didn't see how it was wrong. They thought it racism was all right. Is a really, a racism is a really bad problem still in the church. Mm. Um, you've dealt with it, and racism comes in more forms than just being prejudiced against somebody who is black, white, Indian, Asian. It goes beyond that. You can be prejudiced against somebody from for where they come from. Mm. You have dealt with it. You have dealt with prejudice. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> even from other Christians, other so-called Christians, mm. even fellow preachers for being an immigrant. Mm-hmm. I have been, I've had prejudice against me for being mixed. It just shouldn't be. Black sin is sin, be. and it, it doesn't Where's need the to be there. There's know? no love there. Yes, sir. Exactly. We're all Amen. We're all well, we're all human, yeah. We're all mm-hmm. Well, the, the biblical way of looking at it is that there's the human. And it doesn't matter if your father was black and your mom was white, the child is a human. It's not really, the child isn't mixed, the child is just human. We have divided ourselves along people groups, and that's what when Christ came, he came to to unite Jew and Gentile, to cast aside those things. You remember at Babel, what happened at Babel? There was a confusion of tongues, and that was because the people had rebelled against God. What happened at Pentecost? People, that can, that, the curse of Babel was reversed, and people from 15 different nations heard the gospel preached in their own language. You see, God sees humanity as humanity. Rather, if you're made in the ebony image or the, the, the ivory image of God, the point is, is that as Christians, we're not even supposed to see that. We're supposed to look beyond this, this skin. We're supposed to look at the souls of people. That's what Jesus did. And that's what we're supposed, we're supposed to be colorblind. It's not even supposed to be an issue. So, yes, Sandy. If you ever had a blood transfusion, you might possibly have had blood from a black person, yeah, or, or, or anyone. And I mean, if you're dying and you need that blood transfusion, you're going to say no. My mama told me I couldn't get into the va- go and hang out with them. No, of no, course you're not. Be grateful for your life being saved. Yeah, and you know, we're all saved to go to heaven, those of us that are Christians, because of the blood transfusion of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. That's powerful. As Christians, how much hate are we supposed to have in our heart for anybody? Zero. Absolutely zero. What are we supposed to do about our enemies, or people that are against us? I mean, there'll be people who'll be against us. Yes, Nita? You can't date stupid people. That's it. That's it. And pray, remember, pray and love them. Yes. We've got two worlds. You know, we've got the world that we live in, but we've also got the world that we've been born in, which is the church. 
body of Christ. And uh, we are in the world, but we don't become part of the world and think like the world does and act like the world does. And so what we have to do is take Christ to the world to bring them into the different world, the spiritual world. That exactly. And that's, that's why as Christians, we know that all souls matter. All souls matter. All lives matter. When we follow the pattern of the world that we see on the news and the newspaper and stuff like that, it's all not good stuff. But when we turn to the scripture and read what the scripture presents to us, it's good stuff. It's the only stuff. We need to make sure we're understanding. Of course, one other thing is what there are some things some people do that. They tend to read the Bible through their own 21st century glasses. They don't see it as it was within the context of what was being said. But the message from Christ is simple. Love one another. But there's one other point that we need to think about. People make choices. And sometimes they make the wrong choice. Because that's just yeah, and when they make the wrong choice, what do they need to do? Need to repent of their sin. They do. Yes, Mill. Just enough time to get you in. People of color, um, they consider themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. So I, whenever I'm talking to them, I say, you're a Christian. And they say, yes, we're Christian. I said, but then we're brothers and sisters. We love each other. Mm-hmm. We want the best for each other. There's no rich. There's no poor. And I'm telling these people, and they're going, yes, 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 yes. They, they don't believe the way I do, mm-hmm. but they think they are. I said, spread the word. I said, our nation's in trouble. You go to three people, you spread it to them, they spread to you. I said, we can change the nation. That's it. And love. We, we love each other. That's it. You know, there's no contradiction no. in Christianity. But except for the way they believe, they might not, you know, that's between them and Christ. Mm-hmm. They save themselves. Um, they, the preacher doesn't say, well, the mother and father doesn't, it's between you and God. Mm-hmm. And I always, I always bring that to if it doesn't, you know, you're in the wrong place. That's it. That is it. Yeah. But I think the lesson that, to get back quickly before we close, the lesson in this chapter is that we need to see beyond the prejudices that we have been raised with, forsake them and bring ourselves into line with Christ. And I have heard it said, I know people are obsessed with the color of skin and to say white isn't the color it is, but think about it. If there's any people on earth that are white, that are that are colored as white people because you put us in the sun, we turn red, then we turn brown. If we feel sick, we turn green. If you choke us, we turn purple. If you punch us in the face, we turn black and we turn blue. We're all different kinds of colors. So think about it. Red, yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight, according to the Bible. Jew, Gentile, in Christ, there's only one. And there's no room for hate or prejudice at all. And yes, what Christy was talking about earlier was a, a phone call which... I had um, been scheduled for a tryout by Brother Sydney at the school up at a church not too terribly far away from here. 
and the fella thought he was calling Sydney. He called me and he said, "I don't want it. We we don't want the Irish guy. We don't we don't want to be." preach the gospel to you by someone who wasn't born here. We want someone who's like, you know, a, a real person and all that. And I was thinking, I, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll tell Sydney, top of the morning tea, I'll tell him, should you be sure to be sure. The phone went silent and Sydney had a very interesting talk with him afterwards, I can tell you. And no, they didn't get anybody. It wasn't just that, it's happened other times too. Yeah. Like other, other instances, emails, text messages, that kind of thing. Yeah, well... If Jesus walked in the door, they might get a shock as well, because he's not going to go, hey, y'all, roll tight. <laughs> <laughs> it's just unacceptable. Humans are human. Yeah. But, yeah. but we need to repent of our sins and get right with God, no matter what the sin is, because any sin can send you to hell. And even if it's one that's been learned by your father or your mother, you've got to unlearn hate. Believe me, I'm from Ireland. I know all about unlearning hate. Well, thank you for your attention and your participation. Talk to you later.